Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is your host, yourself, bringing you another edition of Dragon's Crown whatever. Tonight, joining me, I have Wario Fan and Adrian. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Great. All right, so we've all been cracking into Dragon's Crown for uh, a long time now. Uh, over a month, probably. And so we are almost to the end of Inferno difficulty. I think we've all got characters in the the upper 70s. So a lot of experience points have been had. You guys still enjoying the game? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely um just just the usual gripes of Dragon's Crown. That is, you know, screen clutter on multiplayer, uh, sometimes even in single player. And then um, just adapting to enemies not taking hits done in the Inferno difficulty. Yeah, so this it sort of fluctuates because at the beginning of a difficulty, no one takes hits done. And then as you level up to match the enemies, then it gets back to how it used to play. The game has sort of like a back and forth feel to it. Yeah. I find myself concentrating more on the RPG elements when I'm overpowered to try to compensate for that. And then when I'm the one overpowering the enemies, then I tend to look more to the action side of the game. So tonight we'll be talking about those RPG elements and in particular how we all build our characters. We're all playing different classes, so um, hopefully that will provide a little broader insight. But everyone uses the same sort of skill system and skill tree where completing quests or leveling up allocates skill points, and then those can be um, used to purchase uh, new skills or upgrades to existing skills. Uh, Skill trees separated into two sub-trees. One is the common skills, which are, of course, common to all the characters, and the other one is the class-specific skills. When do you guys spend your skill points? What triggers you to go in and start powering up your character? Well, I'd say uh, after I've built up a, a nice pile of skill points. I mean, in the earlier levels... Since skills were cheap enough, it was like you leveled up and you you went in to see. But you know, af- after a while, since things cost more, you just sort of wait until you you accumulate a nice uh, an, a nice number of skill points before uh, asking uh, Samuel to to help you out there. Just out of curiosity, what kind of numbers are you talking about? Oh, like uh, maybe five, seven, even ten. <laughs> okay, so. A couple levels, maybe, and then you're in to spend them. Yeah. How about about you, Adrian? Uh, With me, uh, when we started in normal mode, it took actually quite a while before I spent any of my skill points. I remember when we were playing (laughs) co-op, I had something like 13 skill points that I didn't even use. Right. It's still somewhat that way. Well, I became more conscious of it as we kept going. And any time I noticed that, hey, 
my character actually isn't that effective, that would trigger me that after we finish the level to go check on my skill points. Now that as we've progressed though, there are points where I actually now deliberately reserve them just because the higher levels of a particular skill will require like four or five skill points at a time. So that's why I deliberately put them on reserve. You sort of uh, addressed my follow-up was going to be, which was that can you really feel the impact of actually spending the points immediately? And you said you only go to it really when your character doesn't feel like you're keeping up anymore. Yeah. The most evident was, okay, actually it's one of the common skills and that's for dodging. Uh, that one was probably the most blamed because, oh look, I can dodge three times in the, three times now back to back instead of two. So that one's pretty discreet as far as the difference goes. Another example was the Deadly Revolution, a skill unique to Amazon, which controls how many times she can redirect her spin in the air. Um, that one's pretty obvious. Uh, the other ones are a bit more subtle, but you can definitely feel them, especially as you power them up. Things like the shockwave becomes more potent. Things like the slide kick, a higher percent of inducing knockdown. And neck splitter, which also induces knockdown. That's actually how I get around those blue skeleton bastards. Whenever they put up their shield, that's like, oh, that's a clear sign for me to do a neck splitter because it breaks their shield and knocks them down like guaranteed so you're kind of using stuff to keep up keep pace with the game yeah are you using your leveling up okay that makes sense when you're spending skill points are you taking the the long view are you taking the full hundred level character build into account when you're allocating things thinking to yourself, you know, I better not put points into uh, maintenance or something because I'm going to need those points later and I only have a finite amount. Or are you looking to optimize for every single point you have available? So if you're going and spending your 12 points, you're saying, how do I get the most out of this right now? A little bit of that. If I do use up the skills that cost four or five points at a time, and I still have some left over, then I look at what else is remaining and say, okay, what can I actually use these on? And then I put it into um, you know, increasing my vitality or something like that, which only costs one skill point on the lowest levels. Otherwise, though, I'm not actually taking the full 100 into account. I'm just sort of just putting the skill points into whatever benefits my character most and fits in with how I use them. So that's why I focused on maximizing Deadly Revolution, Brandish, Berserker and Next Splitter. So those I actually have completely maxed out. So Warrior fan, do you find that the difference in skill costs uh, leads you to experiment more with a wider variety of skills since the first level of anything always only costs one or usually only costs one point, maybe two, whereas doubling down on stuff you already have costs more? Yeah, since like you said, they start out pretty cheap. It's pretty easy to just uh, see, oh, what is what will this one do? What will that one do? And how is this going to affect my moveset? Or, or how will it affect me passively or something like that? Like, uh, will will the uh, the wealth of health benefit me in the long run? 
Yeah, wealth to health is one I experimented with as well. And I found that the first couple levels of it, I didn't even notice. And then once I had invested in it a little bit, so that I was getting like five HP per coin, it seemed to be helping to really maintain my health. And then I tried a character without it and noticed that I felt no difference at all. <laughs> then I, I never spend skill points on that anymore. <laughs> but that's some of what you get just from... Uh, we've only had one opportunity to respec, and I don't know if either of you guys have even done that. No. Nope. No, so you guys haven't even thought about how to reevaluate basically what you spent. That being the case, I guess it, it really is just a matter of trying to get the most out of whatever your current availability is. Adrian, you're talking about how you have some preferred skills. Do you try to max out one of them before you move on to another one? Or do you try to keep them on pace with each other? I try to keep them on pace. The game has a, a natural limiter of it won't even let you invest the skill points if you don't meet the level requirement. So if I have 13 skill points, even if I have the amount of skill points to level up all seven levels of neck splitter or something, it won't let me. So naturally I start investing them into stun wave or brandish or berserker and things like that. Yeah, I think the game intentionally tries to flatten you out, and that's kind of the pressure to spend the points on something else, because if it's going to be another 10 levels before you can spend four points to upgrade your favorite skill, then you may as well dish them out elsewhere, because you'll get another four points before you get to that level. Yeah. And that's how um, it gets me to invest in things like uh, the, the slide and remembering to invest into the dodge. Because in one sense, that actually did make me to tunnel vision. And as we were fighting the dragon god, the dragon demon, whatever it is, uh, that made me realize, that, oh my god, I have like three whole s levels in this skill that I didn't even put anything in. And helped a lot once I did. Yeah. Are there any skills that you didn't think would be that useful that ended up paying off? So anything you experimented with that had dividends? Hmm. See, I actually found this slide fairly useful fairly on. So, you know, to me, that it's not a surprise that uh, putting skill points into the slide was actually useful. I mean, they wouldn't put a move in the game and put skill points into it if they didn't give you some benefit like oh, it does extra chance of knockback because a slide isn't actually your strongest move. It's not your biggest damage dealer. Uh, your basic combo with the Amazon actually is or her deadly revolution. So, yeah. I found Nutritionist was one that I wasn't naturally inclined to invest in, but just one point in there for the extra 20% health per food item really helps out a lot. That's probably one I should invest in because I don't think I've put in anything into that. It's not very attractive, but it basically makes food go a lot farther. And if you don't have any other means of healing, then how much you get HP you get from food actually does kind of matter. Yeah. Worry of him. You yeah. Have any, uh, any good experimentation results? No, I mean. Well, well, not in the sense that, like, 
I wasn't expecting so-and-so skill to really benefit me in the end and be like, oh, I'm going to put more into this. I, I guess I sort of feel like I, I get what I pay for. If I want more health, I just put it into max HP and, you know, I'm like, this is great. I'm glad I have more HP. I can take more hits. It's I, I'm pretty simple like that, I think, in regards to the skill trees in this game, I mean. Okay, so you think it's pretty predictable? Yeah, for the most part. But, you know, that's that's just, you know, with the uh, the common one and the fighter one. So, you know, who knows if, if maybe something on one of the other classes will surprise me. Well, so let me ask you this. Is there any skill point or, or is there any um, skill that you've invested in that has made an active ability more useful to you or has made it something that you lean on more? Generally stuff, more passive stuff, I guess. Like I said earlier, increasing health. And and for the fighter, I liked increasing the defense, especially the, the defense where it'll just automatically trigger sometimes. You know, I, that's The reflex enjoyable. defense, yeah. Yeah. So stuff that makes you have to think less about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But something Adrian mentioned, for instance, was the slide kick that uh, he put some points into that and and found it beneficial for the specific purpose of knocking over enemies. And something that I know the fighter has a couple like that, like the Whirlwind Slash. Is that the one? There's, yeah. There's Tempest and Whirlwind, and I don't remember which is which. But either way, one of them is that he spins his sword and floats in the air for longer and the other one is he spins his sword on the ground for constant damage so have you found yourself using those moves more as you put points into them because you know i typically mash the square button as it is and that's what that attack is tied to okay (laughs) it's basically that i'm doing the combo already and it's just a nice side effect that i've extended it you feel like you've explored the character's abilities to the extent of your play style. And right. the skill tree is basically just providing backing for you. Yeah. Like it, it's pumping up the way that you already play. Yeah, because I can, I, I guess I ought to mention that the, the fighter has these two skills that, oh, I don't remember exactly what they do, but they, they sort of take the enemies off of your pals and make them come to you. And I I didn't think I'd need to use those at all. I, I mean, I put a skill point into them just to see what would happen, but you know, I realized that's not the kind of way I, I play with this guy. I know the fighter is supposed to be a meat shield in a way, but it's a little hard for me to remember that he can do that, I guess. They're contextual abilities, and you have to be really on the lookout for the right time to use them. Yeah. I mean, especially because sometimes we always get piled on a lot. It's hard to tell when I need to take the heat off of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like those handful of fighter abilities, and then I think the, the magic characters also have a handful as well that are what you might call support abilities, more oriented around helping out the team. And I don't think Dragon's Crown really lends itself to that. It, it's hard enough to tell what's going on with you, let alone to read all your other allies' current states. So it's something that requires, at the very least, a high level of communication. Dragon's Crown also, I think, moves pretty fast for an action RPG. 
if you compare it to something like Diablo or Torchlight or World of Warcraft or something, those games tend to not only require less technical ability, so, so less like concentration on what actual button inputs you're doing, but they also tend to draw things out a little more. So any individual attack animation might last a couple seconds versus a couple frames in Dragon's Crown. Hmm. It'd be worth comparing it to that Dungeons and Dragons Chronicles of Mystara game. Those D and D games are much more beat 'em ups, uh, so they're just Dragon's Crown without the skill tree. Okay. <laughs> Do they got the hub world? No. Nah. Oh. They're just beat 'em ups. I mean. Oh. Okay. That's selling them a little bit short. They're neat and a little bit of their own thing, but. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, they're definitely they comfortably fit in the genre. Oh, uh, to to address an earlier question about you know respecting our characters, yeah. One skill that I do regret putting in is the parry for the Amazon. Okay, and that's because in order to do it, you have to hold hold the square button to guard, which is the same button you use to attack. Right. That in itself already makes the timing tricky, because it's delayed because it's by holding the button whereas most other parries in games is usually you know do it within like one or three frames of an attack that's about to hit you so this is actually one of the harder parries i've ever had to do in a game and as we've brought before that there can be a lot of stuff going on it can be hard to parry but in addition to that if you don't get it right the amazon does not have a safeguard meaning you can especially on these harder difficulties, get guard broken quite easily. So the style of input, the timing necessary in order to perform a parry in the first place, and then the huge consequence for not getting it made it so that it wasn't worth it. It's just better to use the safety of dodge canceling out of attack to avoid whatever would come at me. Yeah, so I think that's interesting because that's sort of similar to what Warrior Fan was saying about the skills he didn't like except in a more specific sense. Like, it's still a matter of contextual, like that's a contextual reactive skill, uh, the parry. So it really relies on you being able to do this kind of tight input based on when one enemy is attacking. And with other stuff going on, and basically with no escape if you mess it up, uh, you have to be really conscious of exactly the scenario to to use it correctly, so it doesn't really have it doesn't really pay off that well. Yeah, it could turn into one of those things where you level it up or you learn how to do the parry with consistency. That it's like, whoa, there's actually a huge reward to it. But so far, I haven't, I've neither tested it and I haven't seen it. Even when I was doing it, when we're all beating up on Randy, and I'm like hey, having Derek going, hey, Derek, try to hit me, and I'll try to parry what you're doing, and then we sync it up, and the most that happens is that she just flashes white, indicating that you did a parry, and I take zero damage, and that was about it. There's no, like, uh, repost or anything like that. Yeah, I think it just triggers a, an invincibility state for a, a short while. It's fairly passive. It's not like... um the fighter actually has a skill on his block called Bash. Do you ever use that, Oriofan? With the uh, the shield? 
Yeah. Like if, um, oh, if I remember right, it's uh, if if you block at a certain time, then the enemy will knock itself back. If you're guarding, the enemy hits you, and then you hit square as soon as they hit you. Sort of like a parry. Then you will bash them with the shield and, yeah, knock them back and do some damage. I put some points into it, but I don't think I've been able to pull it off just yet. That's actually a skill I like a lot with the fighter, and I find it much easier to execute than the Amazon's parry because you can be guarding before you do the bash. So you can just sit and turtle, basically, and then only execute the skill when you get hit. You don't have to predict when the enemy is going to attack, really. Yeah, that sounds way better. Yeah. There are no elf skills that I particularly hate, although there were some I regretted spending points on. One was that she's got a couple of charge attacks that shoot multiple arrows at a time. Like one, she'll shoot three arrows into the air. And you can add to this skill called Clone Strikes, and it'll shoot more arrows. So the default is one, one point in Clone Strikes is two, then three, four, etc. So I maxed it out on my original elf and had five arrows at a time. And then what I realized is that the five arrows are such a wide spread that usually two of them miss whatever enemy you're shooting at, and you're just wasting arrows from your quiver by doing that. So I ultimately ended up finding that like the skill is useful, but it's only useful up to level three, and then it starts to become detrimental. Hmm. There's a lot of other stuff I've respect out of, but it's not worth going through the full list. <laughs> I already talked about wealth to health, actually. Yeah, and this is a bit of an aside, but I know with the sorceress, I know one skill I'm definitely not going to use is animate skeleton, just because that would make multiplayer pretty chaotic. It'll make even single player uh, more chaotic than it needs to be. Also, I just prefer to learn how to fight with her on my own rather than relying on AI partners. Adrian, I get the sense that you prioritize active skills. So yep. aside from the slide kick, and I mean, I guess you talked about next splitter as well. But were there any that, like, really changed your play style once you put points into them? Yes, stun wave. Because the original version is, you know, you jump, you push down square, and she slams, you know, the ground with her axe. It's good for finishing up a combo or hitting things that are low to the ground. But with stun wave, it adds a new property, which is, of course, the stun wave that it shoots out forward, which can actually chain through several enemies. And the more you level up, the farther it goes and more damage it does. So Stun Wave, that one was also a significant changer. Yeah, so, I told you that was worth spending points on. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. <laughs> yeah, that's one that, like, she basically has no ranged attack to start with. Uh, she can throw her axe, but that's something you can only use at a certain frequency. And so Stun Wave... If you, and it's not even immediate, you have to spend a couple points on it before you really get the sense that, oh, this is a ranged attack that she can use. Yeah, so that's especially helpful for enemies that don't want to get near or enemies that they want to attack from a distance because they don't, you know, want to run and do a knee. Because the knee, which is basically her dash attack, on the harder difficulties becomes very ineffective and there isn't even a common skill to level that up 
So oftentimes the alternative I find myself to hitting them with a knee is actually dashing and then converting that into a slide so that I can get the knockdown on them. Because the knee doesn't even do that much damage. So you feel like that's actually an ability that became less useful because it didn't have a skill to power it up. Yeah, so a lot of times, especially in these harder difficulties, you can knee something as squishy as a wizard and they will not flinch at all. Yeah. Okay, are there any skills that uh, sort of synergize that you feel like spending on two skills sort of reflectively benefits each other? Like, for instance, I can think with the elf, if I spend money on powering up my charge shot, then I also want to spend or money. If I spend skill points on powering up my charge shot, I'm also going to want to spend skill points on the battle hardened skill, which reduces knockback and damage she takes while charging. But if I wasn't spending points on charge shot, then I wouldn't, the other one would be a waste as well. Yeah. For the Amazon, Berserk pretty much synergizes with anything that's an attack. So Deadly Revolution, Brandish, uh, Neck Splitter, they all work well with Berserk. Because any hit she lands will make her go faster and do more damage. Naturally, the ones that I stayed away from are anything that take away her health. Uh, The Amazon is already a fragile character on the count that she wears no armor. So, yeah, I I didn't really invest in those. I, I guess I guess um, at the beginning, I kind of thought maybe it'd be nice to keep the two wind ones about the same so that, you know, I sort of have the same level of uh, power, mm-hmm. whether I'm on the ground or in the air. But uh, I, I guess I ended up uh, spending it since, since I do more damage on the ground. Well, yeah, since, since I do more damage on the ground as it is, I sort of ended up investing more into that. And, and at sight of the fighter, I uh, I thought about, uh, the two coin ones, the uh, the ones where coins refill your health and the ones where coins also give you more score kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, that's true. So kind of what I'm getting at is the concept of builds. I don't know to what degree Dragon's Crown supports this idea. I think it does somewhat, just in that it's a skill tree-based game. But a build is the idea of a character that specializes in a select subset of skills so as to maximize the usefulness of those particular skills and sort of contribute to a single play style. So like a wizard whose focus is all on doing fire damage or something like that. I'm curious whether you guys had the idea of a build in mind for your characters. Strong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So far, not really. Or at least any build is, if you can call it, is just I've been able to invest in the skills that I wanted and staying away from the ones that I don't. And for the most part, I've been able to, to do that. Yeah, I know... With a fighter, I didn't see a lot of potential for various builds. Like, it kind of seems like he has a straightforward set of attacks that you're going to select. And pretty much, maybe like bash, you might not take. And if you didn't want the flying whirlwind, you might not take that. But it seems like everything else 
is kind of going to be of usefulness to the same sort of play style. Yeah, it's it's basically making him more of a powerhouse with those weird distraction ones off to the side. I think it comes down to how much actual mechanical variety there is to a character. Like, the fighter doesn't have a bunch of different moves that he can do. He is kind of just mash the square button. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, regardless of what your build is, it's all going to focus around, like, how much damage you can dish out with your regular sword attacks and how much you can absorb. Uh, Whereas characters that have a bit more variety to what they do, like the magic characters... Or even the dwarf, for instance, whether you want to put money into his throws or his uh, bombs or anything, can provide for some variety. I know for my second elf, I tried to do like a melee and backstab focus build just to get away from using the bow all the time. And ultimately, I didn't think it worked that well. It was just not that fun to play as the melee version. I ended up still needing the bow sometimes, and backstab damage bonus was not good enough to really take down bosses quickly. So I, I think the potential is there, or the the setup is there, but I think that the character's skill sets, mechanical skill sets are rounded to the extent that you don't really want to be giving up on skills or on abilities um, too quickly. Yeah. I think with the sorceress, there is more of a potential for builds. Like, which of these spells do I want? Do I want that petrify spell? Do I want that cursed frog spell and specialize in that? Or do I want something like you know, ice prison or protection, things like those. So I think the sorceress and wizard are really explicitly limited and absolutely force you into a build because of the fact that you need to carry items to use spells and you can only carry so many spell items. So it does you absolutely no good to invest points in all your spells because you just can't use them all at once. Nope. So, and that also means that um, the sorceress and the wizard are naturally inclined to use the higher levels of deep pockets. Just so if they max out one and they want to invest in one or two more spells, then they'll have the space for them in, in a single bag. Yeah, definitely. And that's the kind of skill that supports that supports a build you know if you want to do a a bomb heavy dwarf then you're going to want deep pockets but for something like a fighter like warrior fan plays you probably don't need it because the extra space isn't going to carry anything important for you you don't need the sacrifice item or anything yeah oh another instance of um synergy the nutritionists with the source's ability to make food out of crates those two play really well together and one that that i found and one that i found is the witch flight which is just pressing x three times or pressing x after you've done a double jump Uh, it it doesn't play well with the skill but it does play well with her magic shots that she does in the air i find or just for getting away 
I mean, by itself, I think it's pretty good, but with the uh, spell shot. Yeah, spell shot. Um, I find it works well with those two. Yeah, I think getting away is an important factor because you can only build a sorceress to be so defensive and you can only build an elf to be so defensive, etc. So that sort of leads you towards the more evasive skills. So I know for my elf, I choose to buy four consecutive evades because I find it really useful to be able to dodge across the entire screen. Whereas with the fighter, I usually only put like one point into that for a second consecutive evade because he just doesn't need to get out of the way of stuff that much. Are there any specific challenges that you feel like your skills play into? Like boss fights in general, particular boss fights. Adrian was talking about how uh, Next Splitter helps him with blue skeletons. Are there any times when you feel like a specific skill really helps you get through a specific challenge? Yes. The Chimera, the Dragon, uh, pretty much a, a lot of the bosses that aren't on the ground. Uh, Deadly Revolution is extremely good. Because the Chimera is part way off the air, meaning I have to jump to hit him. And Deadly Revolution is pretty much the best thing you could want for a fight like that. Same with the dragon. Same with the the gazer to a lesser extent. No, the gazer is low enough to the ground that I actually just use brandish anyways. And the thing about brandish is that it grants you invincibility frames and you can if you can do it four times, that means oh look, I can dish out four really strong attacks while being invincible the entire time. So anytime I can use brandish I use it. Oh right, those zombies, those redeads, I had a real problem with them grabbing me. Turns out they can't grab you when you're jumping in the air. So before I used to be afraid of them and I think, oh man, these enemies are kind of shit. But now I can just go deadly revolution on them, just spin in the air like a buzzsaw and they won't touch me. So now I can, with confidence, just jump into a crowd of those bastards. And whenever I'm out of deadly revolution, I just hit tap the R1 button and dodge away from them and do it again. Yeah, I found when I was playing Amazon, that's the kind of time I busted out Stun Wave for zombies, scorpions, anything that I that was going to poison me or grab me that I didn't want to get close to. I just hit them with Stun Wave until they die. Yeah. Oh, Medusa's another example of she's mostly in the air, so Deadly Revolution's really effective against her. Warrior Fan, what kind of skills do you feel like help you in, in specific situations? Um, well, it didn't really occur to me until uh, until you pointed it out that I could do it, but it was during the ancient dragon fight. My sword spins were blowing back the uh, the, the spitballs, so you know it, it, it kind of it's nice to know that the, that I can make longer combos, so I can uh, shield myself better from those uh, things. That's a good point. That. That attack that is ostensibly an offensive attack can help to basically put a wall of or, or a shield around you. Another place I find that Tempest or whatever, a whirlwind useful is when you're doing the boat ride on the Lost Woods A path. Uh, when you've got those fish jumping at you, if you just keep spinning your sword around, you don't have to worry about timing your hit because it'll hit them as soon as they get close. That's handy. 
are there any skills that you only use in one situation? Like for the elf, I have fire arrows that are limited. So I only use those on boss fights. But even with stuff that's not limited, is there anything that you find is very situational that you still find effective? Nothing comes to mind for me. If for me, it would have to be the individual moves of the sorceress. Uh, when to use the down special the skill shot, which usually summons an attack completely around her. Uh, that's good for crowd control. But otherwise, most of the time, I would use the up special, which summons either a lightning bolt, a tornado, or a little fire pillar, which is the most damage-dealing thing she usually has. Same with whenever I decide to use a skill shot in the air, if I need to do an explosion or knock some enemies up. Well, more specifically, I mean skills that you have to put points into. Yeah, so for Sorceress, nothing comes to mind, really. I mean, levitation's good for getting away, and that's about it. I would feel like her spells would be pretty situational, though, right? At least when I was playing Wizard, I wouldn't bust out my spells ever except during boss fights. Yeah, I haven't messed with my spells much. I'm still just trying to learn to use her basic moves and get good with those before I messed with any of her spells. Okay. Let's move on to equipment. Dragon's Crown lets you equip you know, five, six, whatever items. And it has a full-blown loot system, you could say. So I get the sense that neither of you guys have been putting a lot of effort into your gear. (laughs) Is that correct? As far as appraising them, I do put more effort into that now. As far as deciding what gear... I'm going every time we head out, not really. Because sometimes I just don't know, so I just equip whatever is the strongest thing or whichever has the most benefits uh, that I like. For example, anything that reduces damage by percentage, as you pointed out, is really good. So even if it's not the strongest defense or the highest rank, if it has that at a number that I like, then I'll take that anyways over the highest defense or highest strength weapon that I have. So you're looking for specific bonuses, but not necessarily configuring like a full set for any given purpose. You're just, you know, going for good all-purpose equipment. Yeah. So instances, there have, I mean, there were instances when I deliberately picked gear to be effective for draconic enemies because I knew we were going to be taking out the red dragon and for demonic enemies because I knew we were going to be taking out the archdemon. So when I know what I'm going to go up against, I pick my equipment to suit that. Although that only happened on like two occasions, which was, you know, the dragons and the archfiend. Uh, every other enemy, though, I kind of just um, went with, you know, more general purpose of I want to have better defense or better offense, things like that. Or And anything with retribution is also really good. Wait, with retribution? Yeah. Like when you get hit, it shot it shoots out a lightning bolt or ice or something. Or not retribution. I'm sorry. Anything that inflicts a status, that's the one that I like. The ones that you know they shoot out and attack. If if you get hit, those are good too. But I prefer the ones that do it when I'm already attacking, not when I'm being attacked. 
Right, the ones that are like 16% chance of inflicting poison or something like that. Yeah, because um, you probably saw it in our last play session, but a lot of enemies would get frozen, so that helps me get around the problem or the gripe that I brought up earlier about enemies not being able to stun. Well, I just so happen to be playing with a weapon that has a random chance of freezing you assholes. Yeah, it's a pretty good bonus. Yep. Anything that does ice damage also has a chance of uh, freezing. Yeah. I don't know the enemy's elemental weaknesses, so even if I wanted to, I still can't plan around it. Like, if you ask me, what is the Gazer weak to? It's like, I have no idea. Gazer's weak to all elements. <laughs> just, just for so, future reference. <laughs> so so I just I just uh, name-dropped the one enemy. It didn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, a decent number of the bosses uh, don't have an elemental weakness. It's, wow. It might be like half and half. A lot of them just resist every element. Some of them resist one element and then don't have any weaknesses, per se. And then some of them have a specific weakness. I think it's the B-route ones that usually don't have anything. Okay. Anyway, Warrior Fan, how about you? How do you pick out your gear? Oh, I had just kind of the same answer. I I don't really look at the specifics of the uh, skill thingies. I just sort of pick the next highest one for... Uh, you know, attack and defense and go with that. If if it gives me extra bonuses, that's like a, a side plus. Okay, so you're just looking at the raw numbers. Yeah. I think I think I'm too reckless to even notice differences with uh you know, if I'm doing more damage to undead or to fish or to stuff like that. Right. That probably works given that the fighter doesn't need to deal a ton of individual damage or I, I mean He's basically the most statistically robust character, so he doesn't have to worry about doing special bonuses or anything. Do you guys have any gear that affects your skills directly? Like, I know in the Labyrinth of Chaos, you tend to get equipment that says, like, plus 30% bash damage or something like that. Oh, gosh, really? Yeah. Yep. I didn't even notice. I, uh... I think I might have accidentally uh, sold those. Yeah, you usually don't want to sell those. They're usually pretty good. <laughs> well, we can just do the floor again and win them again. It's uh, no biggie. Yeah, it's actually not. Uh, <laughs> but they usually are good. <laughs> I, I think it's just that usually when I get them, I'm too low level to use them. And by the time I, I'm, too, I'm high enough level to use them, I don't recognize which one they were. So it, it just looks like something I already appraised and just skipped over. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I did find one, or I do have one, but it was for the parry, and I've already gone at length about how difficult the parry is for me, so not being, it wasn't too useful to me. So a nice piece of gear that boosts the skill is not going to change your mind about what skills you use? Yeah, that I'm pretty much the same way. Yeah, I mean, I'm still interested in seeing if I can get anything out of the parry because it could be what you asked earlier about a skill that you thought wasn't as great, but then it turns out, oh, it was really good. That could be one, but I have to test it first. But so far on, in our current playthroughs, when I got that, it's like, oh, man, I can't. This isn't useful to me now. <laughs> well, just a little recommendation that I may have already made to both of you. If you're wanting to experiment with your skills, 
just save to a second file, then respec and invest in whatever skill you want to experiment with. And then if you don't like it, go back to your first save file. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely done that a couple times just because because of the fact that at level 1 or level 15 when your character starts, you can't max out any of the given skills. So something like parry, like Adrian was saying, might be useless at, at level 1, but it might be awesome at level 5. So it tends to be good to experiment with that stuff via a respec. I'm not sure I have a lot else to say about character builds. Since everyone's kind of only used one character class, there's not a lot of common ground between the the skill trees you've been using other than obviously the common skill tree. So did you guys have anything else you wanted to add on the subject? How the heck does this uh, nutritionist skill work? I mean... If it makes it so that the food gives you better uh, points, then it's like, is that affecting your teeth? I mean, you'd think it affects the food, but in that respect, it would mean that the food would be better for everybody. But no, it's only when you eat the food. So what the heck is happening to your body? Probably improves your digestive system efficiency, maybe your metabolism. Oh. Different (laughs) people get different nutrition out of food. Why do you think some people refuse to eat gluten-free food or whatever. Because they think it's made of glue. Yeah, exactly. So it takes all the glue out of your digestive system. Oh, okay. Tea glues it. What's Ranny's skill tree like? I don't know, but Ranny Max is out at level 50, so he's kind of <laughs> lagging behind at this point. That's true. It's probably his skill tree's probably lie, cheat, steal, cowardice, and um, gluttony. <laughs> and for some reason, just stand in front of the ancient dragon while he blows smoke. Yeah, <laughs> he does that every time. He's trying to teach us a lesson. In what? He's taking one for the team, saying, "Look, guys, this is what'll happen. Don't so- be like me." So it's like he spends the whole game being off screen during a fight. And then he's at the very end, he's like, all right, it's time for me to pay back. Oh, wait, I have no weapons. Yeah, it could be that, too. It's like how, you know, Krillin stands in the background all the time until, like, eventually (laughs) Goku gets knocked down. And then Krillin's like, well, it looks like I'm going to have to. And then he gets killed before he can even finish his sentence. (laughs) <laughs> that's what Rainy's like <laughs> well I know one fan theory that's going to show up after this podcast <laughs> do you think Krillin's an atheist too? <laughs> I mean Goku came back as an angel so I kind of doubt that Yeah, I feel like all of them went to hell at some point <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think he stopped believing in Buddhism once he stopped shaving his head bald. Wait, Krillin stopped shaving his head? Yeah, there was a point in the show where he stopped shaving his head and he let his hair grow out. Was that a Google search for hair Krillin? Yeah, no, that was during the Boo Saga. (laughs) Oh. 
I never got past Cell Saga because that's what stopped airing when I was 14. Oh, really? Wow. Wow, he looks really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Don't waste your time with Super. It's bad. No, it's okay. I'm not interested really in watching the rest of the show. (laughs) In that case, I think that wraps up our character building customization skill podcast. Great. I I definitely should have revisited the Fallout one before we did this, but I forgot to. So... Was there a was there one for Fallout that talked about this? I'm pretty sure we at least in some capacity discussed what we decided why we decided to make our characters who they were. Oh. I'm uh, probably gonna be playing Fallout two in a bit. Really? After not finishing Fallout? What? No, I finished it. Oh, you were the only one who finished Fallout? No, I didn't finish it while we played it, but no, I've been playing alongside with Fox. Uh, I play. I, I restarted Fallout One, and then uh, I got through that, and I booted up Fallout Two. So I'm going through that. Wait, so Fox is having a Fallout series marathon? No, I am. I'm I'm streaming for him. Oh, okay. So you and Fox are having a Fallout series marathon? Yeah, it's kind of like you and Golem doing Metal Gear, but different. Ah, uh, okay. And probably oh. just with Fallout 1 and 2. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining me, guys. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks so. for having us. <laughs>